الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على شرف الأنبياء والمرسلين محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا فما بعد my dear brothers and sisters welcome to the first of the lecture series and classes of this year may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decree that he is pleased with what we do here and we request Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and make dua for barakah in this work and for acceptance before him Jalla Jalalu. We decided to start with the seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam because that is the foundation, that is the fundamental foundation on which the whole of Islam is built. The Sahaba, the people who accepted Islam, they accepted Islam because they knew Muhammad It's as simple as that. They did not accept Islam because they studied Islam and they came to a conclusion that this was a better religion than whatever else they were following. Uh, they did not isla- accept Islam because of any force or coercion, because there wasn't any. Uh, they didn't ex- accept Islam for any other reason. They accepted Islam because they knew Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And the matter was as simple as that. The best incident in the seerah according to me to illustrate what I am saying and to give you the proof for that is the statement of Abu Bakr al-Siddiq when he was informed when the mushrikin of Makkah after Rasulullah returned from Al-Isra al-Mi'raj they went to Abu Bakr and they said do you know what your friend is saying so Abu Bakr Siddiq said what is he saying they said he is saying that he went up into the sky and he went on a tour of the seven heavens and so on and so forth so what do you say about that? Abu Bakr Siddiq said, if he said that, I believe. If he said that, I believe. Now this is also the fundamental principle of authenticating of hadith. Where the muhaddithun, they do not look at the hadith in the context of does it make scientific sense, does it make sense to me logically, uh, is it applicable today, uh, all that they see is, did Rasulullah actually say this? Now, if there is evidence that he said it, then we believe. And if the evidence is not there or if it is weak, then we take that hadith and we treat it differently. So, you say this hadith is not sahih, it is hasan, it is hadith, it is gharib, it is daif and so on and so forth. The various istirahat and the various terminologies of the science of hadith. We are not going into all of that here. But effectively, this is the basic principle. If he said it, I believe. Then they said to him, how is it possible that you believe this? How can a man go into the sky and seven heavens and so on and so forth? How is this possible? Just reflect a little bit on this statement and ask yourself, is this not what we say today? By we, I don't mean you and me, I mean the people in the world. Is this not some version of this? Is it not what people say even today? When they are presented with Islam, 
their standard response is yeah but you know scientifically how is that possible and was there a rocket or something so they asked they asked avogar siddhartha they said how is it possible you believe this that this uh, you know he went to the seven heavens and so on and so on avogar siddhartha said what is difficult for me to believe about this when i already believe that there is allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalaluhu because he said so when i already believe that there will be a day of judgment because he said so when i already believe that there is a jannah and a jahannam because he said so have i seen jannah i have not seen jannah have i seen jahannam i have not seen jahannam have i seen allah i have not seen allah have i seen the day of judgment i have not seen the day of judgment i believe all this already he said these are far more difficult to believe then the fact that the man went in the sky and he went on the seven heavens he said if i believe that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalaluhu exists and i believe this and who is allah allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who has no limits to what he can do there is no limit to his power there is no limit to his treasures there is no limit to his qudrat there is no limit to what he can do there is nothing that he cannot do when i believe all of this and then muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam says allah took me from point a to point b what is difficult to believe about him what's so difficult if allah is there and this is what allah can do then allah can do anything and that is the reason i am saying that the according to me the sira is the fundamental foundation of the whole of islam the whole of islam stands on the sira on the life of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wa alihi wa sahbi wasallam and therefore allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalaluhu said in his kitab a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem bismillahir rahmanir rahim inna allaha wa malaikatahu yusalluna 'alan nabi ya ayyuhalladhina amanu sallu 'alayhi wa sallimu taslima allahumma salli 'ala sayyidina muhammad wa 'ala ali muhammad كما صليت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى ال محمد كما باركت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد it is the haqq of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wa alihi wasallam that when his name is mentioned before his ummatis when his name is mentioned before his ummah that they send salat and salam and durood on him alayhi salam allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered us to do this and allah said that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his malaika send salat and salam on muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam the ayat which i recited before you all of us know this ayat ya ayyuhalladhina amanu o you who believe and please understand this o you who believe this address is a direct hukum and this hukum is not only for the men oh you who believe men or women so any time there is ya ayyuhalladhina amanu ittaqullah huwa sabtaqwa only the men or only the women no both oh you who believe whoever believes have taqwa ittaqullah so ya ayyuhalladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima send salat and salam on him and address him with salam 
they asked him how are we to do this ya rasulullah and rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught this durood which we know as durood ibrahim which we also recite in uh, the last part of our salah so who is muhammad sallallahu alaihi wa alihi wa sallam my brothers and sisters i want to draw before you some pictures so listen to my voice if you want to shut your eyes shut your eyes if you want to keep them open keep them open as you wish there are no slides for this i want to draw pictureize for you some incidents from the seera of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam i want you to listen to me but even more importantly i want you to feel that inside yourself it's not a matter of listening to my words feel that inside yourself how will you feel it inside yourself put yourself in that situation when i am describing that situation imagine that you are standing on the side in the corner there watching it happen the point is it's not just a matter of believing in muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam it's not just a matter of believing that muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is the rasul of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the last and final of his messengers it is a matter of our taluq with muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was the last and final messenger of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so what so what is this are you telling me a historical fact if that is all it is then there is there has no relevance and value to islam because yes historical fact like any other historical fact that is not how a muslim sees that for a muslim muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam as the last and final messenger of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is someone who relates to me directly it's my connection with muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam which matters and so therefore when i am uh, talking listen to that and feel it there was a lady and she had a little child the child was maybe 5 years old 6 years old and she decided to take the child to meet her side of the family the child had the, her side of the family had never met this child so she took this child along with one servant a servant woman so three of them the mother the servant woman and this little child they joined a caravan which was going to madina very long journey 450 kilometers through the desert very tough this lady was not in good health and as the journey progressed and as she is walking along and going in this journey her health started deteriorating they covered allah knows best a couple of 100 kilometers it's easy to say this try walking 200 kilometers then talk to me karnool is 200 kilometers walk from here to karnool it's not a desert you'll be walking on a highway we are not talking highway we are talking desert and this is not the sand dune deserts that we find in the 
خلیج دیز آر دی ڈیزرٹس آف حجاز آف حجاز وچ آر اسٹونی اینڈ راکی اینڈ بشز اینڈ ڈیپ ریوینس اینڈ سو آن سو کپل آف ہنڈریڈ کلو میٹرس پاس اللہ نوز بیسٹ ہاؤ مچ دا ڈسٹینس واز دا لیڈیز ہیلتھ ڈیٹیریٹیڈ مور اینڈ مور اینڈ مور انٹل شی کڈ ناٹ کیپ اپ ود what today we know as Syria, which is not Syria, which is Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, all of that, Palestine, all those areas, the whole Mulk Hasham, this caravan has a long way to go. From the perspective of the caravan, this is only the beginning of the journey and this lady can't keep up with the caravan. So the caravan master, he says to her, well, I'm sorry, but we can't stop the caravan, we can't slow down uh, and we can't take you with us because you're not able to keep up with us. So what we are going to do is to leave you here by the side of the road uh, they gave her some food to eat and they gave her some water and they said you stay here and maybe some other caravan will come along uh, tomorrow. It was a caravan route so caravans would go up and down and they will help you and they will take you with them. They left him, the mother, the servant girl and the small boy. They left them by the side of the road and the caravan went away. Put yourself in that situation. It's a desert. It's a wilderness. All they have is this water and food. The lady is sick, very sick. She can't walk. The servant girl, she's not a doctor. She's a poor servant woman. All she can do is to cry. She tries to make her comfortable, but other than that, there's nothing. She has no knowledge. She does not have the resources. She does not know what to do. And a little boy. What about the little boy? He's seeing his mother's condition deteriorating before his eyes. Night falls. Night in the desert in the wilderness. They have no weapons. They don't know what the night conceals. They do not know what dangers there might be. And in this state of great confusion and fear and terror, the mother finally passes away. She died. The little child is seeing his mother dying before his eyes. And he can't do anything about it. The servant woman is distraught with grief and with confusion and with helplessness and with despair. She does not know how to deal with the situation. What must she do? The day dawns, some hours pass, another caravan comes this way to see the situation. They bury the mother where she had died and they take the little boy and the servant girl and they go back to Makkah. Second scene. Young man in his twenties going on into thirties for years and years. Every time he has some free time 
because he is a businessman, he is a trader. Every time he has some free time and he makes the free time because it is a quite long period of time, sometimes two weeks, sometimes three weeks. He goes off into the hills, climbs on top of a hill, very high hill and goes into a cave and he stays there in this cave by himself alone. Day after day after day. He takes some dry rations with him. He takes some water. And he remains in this cave. He is fasting. He is praying. He is making dhikr. And he is in a state of great emotional turmoil. What is he worried about? Is he worried about the fact that I don't have a regular job? Is he worried about the fact that I need to have a career? Is he worried about the fact that I must get married? Is he worried about the fact that I haven't built any property and I have no palaces and no lands and no farms? And what's he worried about? He is concerned about two things. One is my ta'alluq with Allah. How can I connect to my Rabb Jalla Jalalu? And the second concern is what should I do about my people? Because my people are enveloped in sin. They are full of greed and jealousy and hatred. They kill each other for nothing. Life has no meaning. They oppress women. They sell them like property. They drink, they fornicate, they gamble, they give out money on interest, they take money on interest, they oppress people, they oppress each other. They are idolaters, they are worshipping all kinds of idols and all sorts of, any kind of evil you can name was there. And this is his concern and this is his great turmoil that what can I do, how can I help them, what must I do with them. And remember this went on for many years. We are not talking about a single incident. I went up in the mountain, came back and salam alaikum. No. Year after year after year. He himself says, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there were times when I was so aggrieved and in such grief and in such turmoil emotionally that I thought I should just leap down from here. Jump off this cliff. And that is the only end to this pain that I am in because I am getting no answers. Scene number three. Now in his forties. The people where he lived. Gave him minimal support. Very few people who were with him. Rest of them. The entire community. Definitely the entire leadership of the community. Were not just against him. They became his mortal enemies. They were plotting and planning to kill him. So he decided to go. To the other. Powerful big community in the Hejaz. Which were the Banu Thaqif in Taif. And we know what happened there. See the fate of some people. 
What did he take for the Banu Saqif? He took for them Jannatul Firdausul Ala. And what did they do with that? They refused Jannah. And they chose for, for themselves Jahannam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala presents, presents us with opportunities all through our lives. Nobody in the world will be able to say, I did not have the opportunity. Everyone but everyone has opportunities. The question is, what do we do with those opportunities? And this is the reason we study the seerah, because it gives us these examples to measure ourselves against and say, here was something happening, historically speaking, what am I doing in my own life? So the Banu Thaqif not only denied him, not only refused him, uh, the Banu Thaqif opposed him. And not only did they oppose him, the Banu Thaqif attacked him. And they injured him. And they tried to insult him. I am saying tried to because Izzah and Dhillah is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nobody can can insult somebody or give anybody izzat, izzat and zillat is in the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But they tried their best. So when he turned around from there and he retreated and he came back on his way, he got refuge in a garden and he went into sujood and we know the dua he made and that dua ended thus. That oh my Rabb, oh my Allah, if you are pleased with me, then I do not care what anybody does to me. The dua began by him explaining what had happened, by describing the situation to the one who was witness to that situation. He did not need for the situation to be described to him, but to describe our situation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalaluhu is the requirement of Ubudiyat. So he put his situation before him and he said, Oh Allah, this is what they have done to me. And then did he complain? Did he say they threw stones at me, but you could have stopped that stone from, from hitting me. But you did not stop that stone. Complaining is not a part of Ubudiyat. They threw a stone. You could have stopped it. You did not stop it. The stone hit me. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. He did not complain. He explained the situation. Then he said, Ya Rabb. Oh my Allah. If you are pleased with me, I do not care who does what. I don't care who does what. And if you are not pleased with me yet, then I will do my best. I will do everything possible to ensure that you are pleased with me. And I will continue to work until you are pleased. Until my last breath, I will continue to work until you are pleased. 
حتى ترضى last sin he brings a message of goodness he brings a message of beauty he brings a message of prosperity he brings a message of success and what do they do to him they oppose him they try to insult him they try to harm him they try all kinds of things and finally they banish him and his supporters the banu hashim and the banu abdul muttalib they they boycott them and they banish them and they force them to go and seclude themselves in the shaybi abi talib the wadi of abi talib the issue of proclamation to say that nobody will speak to them nobody will deal with them nobody will sell them anything nobody will buy anything from them nobody will marry into them nobody will accept their proposals of marriage no contact whatsoever with these people and what is the crime of these people that they support muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam they were not all muslims some were muslim some were not muslim but that didn't save them the crime was you support muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam therefore you are boycotted food ran out the crying of babies could be heard all the way in makkah and during that time our mother umul mu'minin khadijah al-kubra radhiyallahu anha she took everything she had she spent all her money she completely finished her wealth in trying to buy food to feed these people so food was she paid for it and food was smuggled in from this source and that source until everything until her money ran out my brothers and sisters i'm describing these scenes for you because this is muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the last of these scenes wahi stopped for a long period revelation stopped rasulullah sallallahu was in a state of great pain great grief great emotional turmoil why has my rab stopped speaking to me wahi used to come by way of jibril alayhi salam and it used to come in ways which allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best through ilham on his blessed heart in various ways stopped imagine the one who has tasted the sweetness of speaking to his rab this stops mufassirin say this was because allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to increase that want in him allah knows best why he does what he does but this stopped and to add to that to make matters worse the mushrikeen of makkah started taunting him they said oh his rabbi has left him 
They said Israel doesn't talk to him anymore. Israel is angry with him. So on the one hand, where he has stopped, on the other hand, the taunts of the people. And that is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَالْدُّهَا وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا سَجَا مَا وَدَّاكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَا What is the need for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to take an oath? The word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sufficient. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took an oath for the izzah of his Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, by the day when it is completely clear, the sun has risen, darkness has disappeared. By the light of that day at this time, what doha? By the light of your the noor of your face, Ya Muhammad. By which the entire Kainat, the entire universe is illuminated. And by the night, when darkness covers everything and hides everything. By the night when darkness covers and hides everything. Your Rabb is not displeased with you. Your Rabb has not left you. Your Rabb has not abandoned you. Think of this ayah. Allah did not say Allah is not displeased with you. It says your Rabb. Your Rabb. This is not somebody's opinion. This is not somebody's fatwa. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself speaking and saying, I declare and I take an oath and I swear by this makhluk of mine which you see every single day that I am not displeased with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa That I have not left Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said two things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made a prediction. And for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there is no prediction. This is for me to explain to you. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made a promise. وَلَلَاخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ لَكَ مِنَ الْوُولَى وَلَسَوْفَ يُوتِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْضَى What is the prediction? O oh my Habib, O oh my Nabi, Ya Muhammad, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, tomorrow will be far better for you than today. What is he talking about? 
Is he saying that today you have no money and tomorrow you will have a mountain of gold? Is he saying that? Is, is he saying that today these few people will not, they don't listen to you, tomorrow I will make you king of the world? No. Tomorrow means the akhirah. What is today? Today you are Sayyidul Mursali. Today you are Imam al -Ambiya. Today you are at a level at which no creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ever been or will ever be. Today you are already at this level. But tomorrow will be better for you. What is that better? My Rabb knows. Jalla Jalla. وَلَلْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ لَكَ مِنَ الْأُولَى And then Allah made a promise. وَلَسَوْفَ يُوتِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْضَى I described for you the scene of Taif and the Dua. And my Nabi Sallallahu said, حَتَّى تَرْضَى Oh Allah, until you are pleased. So his Rabb responded by saying what? He said, no, I will please you. I will give you until you are pleased. Walasawfa. Tomorrow. Yutika. I will give you. Rabbuka fatarda. Yutika rabbuka. Your Rabb will give you. Until you are pleased. I will give you. Your Rabb will give you. Which has more love in it? Until you are pleased. My brothers and sisters, every single one of us, every single human, every single jinn who has ever been created, every malak, every piece of creation has only one goal in their life. Or they should have only one goal in their life. Which is to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalla. No other goal. My Rabb is pleased with me and I die in that state. Inshallah, Mustad, I am successful. May Allah grant you all this success. But in the case of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his Rabb is saying, I will please you. I will give you until you are pleased. It's not my opinion. I'm not inventing poetry in the place of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa I'm not doing holo. I am reciting for you Quran. Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib said the ayah of greatest hope in the Quran is this ayah. He said why? He said, because his Rabb promised him, I will give you until you are pleased. And he said, I know that he will never be pleased until every single ummati of his enter Jannah. Huh? Ya Muhammad, the shade of my arsh for you. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, my ummah. 
Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Gawthar is yours. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ya Rabb my Ummah. Ya Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Sirat is yours. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ya Rabb my Ummah. Ya Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, every gate of Jannah is yours. Enter from wherever you like. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ya Rabb my Ummah. Ya Muhammad, Jannatul Firdausul Ala is yours. Belongs to you. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ya Rabb my Ummah. Ya Muhammad, what do you want? Ya Rabb, I want them with me. Here in this Jannatul Firdausul Ala. Ya Muhammad, they disobeyed me. Ya Muhammad, they refused to obey me. Ya Rabb, but you are Ghafur Rahim. Ya Rabb, yes, they disobeyed you. But Ya Rabb, you love to forgive. Inna Ghafur Kareem. تُحِبُّ لَفْتُ فَفْعَنْتُ إِنَّكَ فُوْهٌ كَرِيمٌ تُحِبُّ لَفْتُ فَفْعَنْتُ إِن تُعَذِّبُهُمْ فَإِنَّهُمْ عِبَادُكَ وَإِن تَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ فَإِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ Oh Allah, if you want to punish them, they are your slaves. <laughs> oh Allah, if you want to punish them, they are your slaves. But oh Allah, if you want to forgive them, you are Azizul Hakim. You are all powerful and you are full of wisdom. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said وَالدُّهَا وَالْلَيْلِ إِذَا سَجَى مَا وَدَّاكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَى وَلَا الْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ لَكَ مِنَ الْأُولَى وَلَصَوْفَ يُعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْضَى If anyone asks you who is Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم recite this one ayah you want to know who is Muhammad? He is the one whose Rabb will please him on the day of judgment. In my view, there is nothing that describes the, the position and level of Muhammad wasallam, better than this one ayah. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking to Nabi sallallahu after a long period. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now allaying his fears and is reminding him of incidents in his life which I already described before you. 
Alam yajid kayatiman fa'awa Wa wajadaka dallan fahada Wa wajadaka ilan fa'awna Were you not an orphan and we helped you? Were you not searching for answers and we guided you? Were you not in need of resources and we provided resources? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made taqeed. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala advised Rasulullah sallallahu about the future. فَأَمَّا الْيَتِيمَ فَلَا تَقْهَرْ وَأَمَّا السَّائِلَ فَلَا تَنْهَرْ وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَهَدِّثْ And so what must you do? You are a yatim and you were aided. So if a yatim comes to you, do not let him go. Do not leave him without help. Who is a yatim? A yatim is somebody who does not have parents, one or both. But the yatim is also anyone who is in need of help. Who has nobody in this world to help them. The oppressed people of this world are the yatama of this world. And this is the taqi to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and through him to us. Saying do not let a person be oppressed. And if there is anyone who is oppressed and especially if they come to you, do not send them away. Help them. To the best of your ability, help them. Subhanallah. And when the sail comes to you, when the one comes to you and asks you, when he is seeking an answer, when he is seeking something from you, do not turn him away. Do not turn him away. What is this? This is the taqeed of Rabbul Alameen, Rabbul Arshil Kareem, to his last and final messenger, his Habib, Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He is saying, do not turn away the one who comes and asks you, what do you think the one who gave this taqeed will do when you ask him? He is telling his Nabi, don't turn away anybody. What do you think he will do when you ask him? And when I make dua, I always say this, Ya Allah, you said this. Ya Allah, I am the sail. I am the beggar. I am the fakir. Ya Allah, I am asking you, give me. Because you told your Nabi not to turn away anybody, you will not turn away anybody. And Allah did not say, give the one who is a good man, no. Whoever the sail is. And thank your Rabb Jalla Jalaluhu and tell people about the ni'mat that Allah has given you. Who is Muhammad? Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is Muhammad. Sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. Wa al-duha wa al-layli idha sajah 
ما ودعك ربك وما خلا والدعاء والليل إذا سجى ما ودعك ربك وما قلا ولا الآخرة خير لك من الأولى ولا صوفا يوتيك ربك فترضى ألم يجدك يتيما فآوى ووجدك ضالا فهدى ووجدك عائلا فأغنى فأما اليتيم فلا تقهر وأما السائل فلا تنهر وأما بنعمة ربك فهدس My brothers and sisters in Islam, this is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jala jalaluhu to enable us to see Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to enable us to be with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And I am saying that on the basis and on the strength of this hadith. In Musnad Imam Ahmad, narrated by Anas bin Malik radiallahu anhu, the great Sahabi of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who served him for 10 years, his entire time in Madinah Munawwara, Anas bin Malik radiallahu anhu lived with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in his house. And he served him. And it is said about him that after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam passed away, Anas bin Malik was the only Sahabi alam, who used to see Rasulullah in his dream every single night until he died. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the ruya of his Nabis Muhammad in our dream inshaAllah. Anas bin Malik said that Rasulullah once said I wish I could meet my brothers. And remember any time Nabi said something like this Brothers, it is not a gender-specific statement. It means brothers and sisters. Men is not a gender-specific statement. It means men and women and so on. So Rasulullah said, I wish I could meet my brothers and sisters. The Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, are we not your brothers? Rasulullah said, you are my Sahaba. But my brothers and sisters are those who have faith in me but have never seen me. They are those who will come after you, after I have passed away. And they will have faith in me without having seen me. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to include all of us among them. But remember we have to work for that. This is not bestowed. This is earned. Faith in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam means following his sunnah. Not following your nafs. Not following the fashion of the time. Not following all kinds of desires. But following Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa In every single aspect of his life. In terms of his appearance. In terms of his speech. In terms of his akhlaq, his manners. In terms of his dealing with people. In terms of his domestic life. In terms of his public life. 
in every single aspect of the life of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam the one who follows Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam man or woman is the one who does what Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam did and does not allow his own nafs and his own desires and his own wasabis from shaitan and wasabis from people to overpower what the nabi said and did this is proof that we follow muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam without this proof the claim that we follow muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is not a claim which can be substantiated I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us among those who will follow Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam truly in every sense of the word and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bear witness that we are the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will decree inshallah almustaan that we will meet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam on the day of judgment and that we will be with him in jannatul firdaus and that we will sit at his blessed feet and look upon his face full of noor and listen to the kalam which allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent on him directly from him i quote for you a passage from one of the most famous historians Lamartine Alphonse de Lamartine the French historian who wrote what is called the history of Turkey because these people were at the time of the Ottoman Empire and obviously if he is writing the history of Turkey he is writing the history of Muslims and he is writing therefore about Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam I remember Lamartine was not a muslim and he was also not known for his friendliness towards Islam or any such thing So he was an opponent but he was a man of integrity a man of honesty So he says if the grandeur of aim look at the look at the words I love the way he's expressed it He said if the grandeur of the aim the smallness of the means and the immensity of the results he's looking at three things how big was the aim how small were the means and how vast were the results if the grandeur of the aim the smallness of the means and the immensity of the results are the three measures of a man's genius then who would dare humanly compare a great man of modern history with muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam who saying this not an ashiq of the nabi this is a historian speaking objectively and speaking truthfully philosopher orator apostle messenger legislator warrior conqueror of ideas restorer of a rational dogma for a cult without imagery founder of 20 earthly empires and of one spiritual empire this is muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam of all the scales by which one measures human grandeur which man has been greater and that is lamartine my brothers and sisters why must we study the sirah 
you must study the sira because as i said the sira is the foundation on which the rest of islam is built if you do not study the sira if you do not know muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam you cannot know who is allah this is my challenge and this is my challenge to those who believe the sira is not important this is my challenge to those who do not include sira <coughs> as a proper subject of study in their syllabi for their schools and their colleges and their darul ulums on what basis they don't include they know as far as i am concerned this is completely senseless and i'm going to give you evidences of why you must study the sirah why must we study the sirah because this is our aqeedah our aqeedah is la ilaha illallah muhammadur rasulullah the name muhammad is part of our aqeedah What is the aqida? The belief, the faith is la ilaha illallah. There is no one worthy of worship except Allah Subhanahu wa Taala Jalla Jalalhu. Why do we say that? Why do we believe that? Because Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam said this. How do we know that Allah exists? Because Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam told us. How do we know that the Quran is the kalam of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala? Because Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam told us. How else do you know? Those who today claim that the Quran is sufficient for us and we do not need hadith must think that the Quran is hadith. What is hadith? Hadith is what Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam said or what he did or what people did and he permitted it There is nothing that he said and did not do himself but there are some things which people did he did not do it but he did not stop it either for example eating the flesh of monitor lizards the uh, arabs were they used to do this they used to eat this uh, you know the big monitors monitor they used to hunt monitor lizards lizards and eat them when i lived in ghana somebody cooked it and gave it to me so i said <laughs> i said i'm not i'm not i'm adventurous but not that adventurous so i didn't eat. so nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam did not eat it but he didn't forbid it so therefore this also becomes part of the Uh, of what he has permitted so if the sunnah is something which he said i ask those who tell me that hadith is not important if the hadith is what he said then i ask those who tell me the hadith is not important where did you get the quran from did allah speak to you did you hear the voice of allah did jibril alayhi salam come and speak to you How do you know Alhamdulillahirabbil alamin is the kalam of Allah 
because Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said so. There is no other proof. We don't need any other proof. Because we believe Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So la ilaha illallah is the belief, it is the faith, it is the aqidah, it is the creed. And Muhammad Rasulullah is the amal, is the action based on that creed. Aqimu salah is aqidah. Sallu kama ra'aytumuni usalli is Muhammad Rasulullah. It is the amal. It is the ittibah. Allah said establish salah. Alhamdulillah, labbaik, Allahumma labbaik, yes, Ya Rabbal Alameen, I am ready. What does it mean? Did Allah tell you? Is it there in the Quran? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is how I wish to be worshipped. And Rasulullah said to the people, Pray as you have seen me pray. He did not say pray as Allah told you to pray. No. Because Allah didn't tell us. He said pray as you have seen me pray. Worship Allah as you have seen me worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is this beautiful hadith. This whole hadith is part of the asbab of the hadith. The beautiful story. A large group of young people. Very young ones. Not babies. But these were teenagers. They all came to Muhammad From different tribes. All over the Hijaz. And they came and lived with Rasulullah for two to three weeks. Imagine this is Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Salam there's a very dear friend of mine, Sheikh Hisham Al Awadi, who is a professor uh, in uh, the American University in Kuwait. And among his lectures and books, there's a book called and a series of lectures called "Children Around the Prophet." Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You must read it. So this whole group of youngsters they came to Mr. Sallam. They lived with him. They lived in Masjid al-Nabi Sharif. They ate from the food of Nabi Sallallahu house. They were with him. And then they say that two weeks passed, three weeks passed. And they are young children. They have now been away from their parents for a long time. So they said that, you know, we started feeling homesick. Rasulullah was so sensitive to people around him. He, he didn't need uh, people to remind him of anything. So when he saw that they look like they are now getting restless, he, saw, he asked them, what happened? You are remembering your parents. Imagine their position. They are with the Prophet So if I say I am remembering my parents, will he think that I am now not interested in being with him? But they said, well, you know, they, they didn't say yes or no, but he could make out, yes, we are missing our parents, missing our families, we've been away for so long. So Rasulullah said, then I give you leave to go back to your homes. And he said, when you get there, 
Remember what I taught you. And tell people to pray. And he said, Sallu gamar aitumuni usalli. Pray as you have seen me pray. This message is given to whom? Young people. The youth, the children. He is not talking to the Akabirin of the Sahaba. He is not talking to the Muftiyin. He is not talking to the great Ulama of Haq. He is talking to young kids. He is talking to teenagers. He is putting lead into their foundation. In the olden days when you wanted to make a foundation very very strong, they used to seal it with lead. Lead in the foundation. Sallu kamara ayitumuni usallu. Alayhi salatu salam. And that's why whenever I mention the question of the kalima, the two sentences which are the doorway into Islam. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. If you only say la ilaha illallah, you are not a Muslim. You must say Muhammad Rasulullah. And when I say, say Muhammad Rasulullah, it doesn't mean saying. When we say, la ilaha illallah, the proof of that is, Muhammad Rasulullah, is to establish the salah. There is no one worthy of worship except Allah. And the fact that I believe this, what is this proof? That I worship Allah only. That I do not join partners with Allah. That I do not leave the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That I do not consider anything else on the face of the planet in my life to be more important than the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when the time for that salah comes. When the man said, Hayya ala salah, hayya ala al-fala, I leave everything and I go towards the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalla. وَإِذَا نُوذِيَ لِسَلَاةِ مِنْ يَوْمُ الْجُمْعَةِ فَاسْعَوْ إِلَىٰ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ وَزَرُوا الْبَيْنِ When the call for the salah of Jum'ah is given, and this refers to all the salah, all the first salah, not only Jum'ah, Jum'ah is specifically mentioned to enhance the importance and to underline the importance of the Jum'ah. When the order for the salah of Jum'ah is given, Fas'aw, Allah did not say go walking leisurely, no. Race, hurry. Towards the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and leave everything else. Vazarul bay, leave everything else. Thalikum khairul lakum in kuntum ta'alamun. And this is best for you, if only you understand. As I said, there is no Islam without Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Make no mistake. Unfortunately, we have people of two kinds in this world. And both are wrong. On the one hand, we have people who claim to love Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa But they speak things about Rasulullah which he did not say about himself. They attempt to raise his status beyond what he raised. Some say he was part of God. Did he say he was part of God? Some say he was Alimul Ghaib. Did he say he was Alimul Ghaib? 
They say various things. I don't want to repeat all, the, all that they say. But they say various things. Apparently praising Muhammad Wasallam, But this is not praise. This is like the Christians did with Isa alayhi salam. With the intention of praising him. With the intention of so called raising his status. They said he is son of God. Naud billah. They said he is such a good man. How can such a man be human? So he is son of God. Allah did not say this. He said Isa ibn Maryam. Isa the son of Maryam alayhi salam. So there are some people who do this. Who raise the level of Muhammad sallallahu But if you look at them and you see them. You say are you following the sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu No because where in the sunnah does it say that you should say things like this. They make dua to Muhammad sallallahu Where Rasulullah sallallahu said do not ask me ask my Rabb Jalla Jalla. On the other hand you have another bunch of people. Who say Muhammad sallallahu is not important. He was a messenger. He was a postman. He brought a letter. He gave it. The letter is important. The postman is unimportant. Naudhu billah. Naudhu billah. Naudhu billah. I am only repeating this to show the games of shaitan. Both are wrong. Both are completely and totally misguided. Who was Muhammad He was abduhu wa rasoolu. He was the slave of Allah and he was the Rasul of Allah. The greatest honor for a human being is to be called the slave of Allah by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. Who was Muhammad sallallahu He was the last and final messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after whom there is no messenger, after whom there is no Nabi, after whom there is no Rasul. Who was Muhammad sallallahu alaihi He is our connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalaluhu. We believe in him as the last and final messenger. We accept that the Quran is the word of Allah because he said so. We accept his word and his commands as law in Islam. I can give you many proofs of that. That is not part of my uh, of this lecture. So I am not going to do that. Inshallah maybe we will do that. Sometime else, those who are interested, I'm going to ask these guys to send you is a beautiful book by uh, Mufi Mufti Tafi Usmani, Daan Varkatuhum, on the authority of the Sunnah. Read it. So we accept the word of Muhammad as law. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said this in the Quran in Surah Al-Hashar, وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُذُهُ Allah said, whatever my Nabi gives you, take it. And what he stops you from, leave it. Allah did not say, whatever my Nabi tells you in ibadat, whatever my Nabi tells you in this or that, Allah said, whatever he tells you, take it. What he stops you from, stop. We practice Islam, how? By doing what he did. Whatever he did is Islam. What he did not do is not Islam. Whatever he did is ibadah, it is worship. We will be rewarded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for doing that. What he did not do is not ibadah, not worship. And that is why 
the study of the seerah is essential to Islam. Let me stop at this point. It's getting close to Maghrib, inshallah. We will pray Maghrib and uh, then we have some tea and snakes. And then you can come back in here for the rest of this. وَصَلَّى اللَّهَ عَلَى نَبِيِّ الْكَرِيمِ وَعَلِيهِ وَسَعْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ بِرَحْمَةِ